This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Okay, just as um, they leave, obviously with all the movement, there's not much sense I can bring for a moment, so I'll bring a joke. Good luck. Knock, knock. Who's there? Tank. Tank. You're welcome. Oh. <laughs> I've just given them time to get out with joy. Okay. Right, let's bring our message for this morning. Hang on, let's put that down there. Okay. As you know, we've been walking through the book of Luke. So today we have got to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Let's read the scriptures. Actually, before we do, Father God, I pray that you would just minister to every heart sat under my voice today, Lord God. Whether they be at home or in the room, Lord God, I pray that you will touch those places, Lord God, that need healing, wholeness, restoration, uh, re-encouragement, reigniting, Lord God. I pray that you will bring about your purposes in this place today. Amen. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 to 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Okay, let's just backtrack a bit. This is the story of the 10 lepers. You may have heard it before, but let's just talk about leprosy for a moment. Leprosy is also known as Hansen's disease. I think that's the modern name for leprosy these days. It is an infection caused by a slow-growing bacteria that affects the nerves, skin, eyes, and lining of the nose. If it's left untreated, the nerve damage can result in crippling of hands and feet, disfigurement, paralysis and blindness. These days, there is actually treatment. But in Jesus' day, there was nothing that could ease the horror of this disease. In fact, I think I read somewhere that it's actually one of the oldest documented diseases in history. It's not known exactly, not even now, exactly how leprosy spreads between people. Scientists currently think it may happen when a person with the disease coughs or sneezes. Hmm, sounds familiar. And 
and a healthy person breathes in the droplets containing the bacteria. But here's the difference between it and COVID quickly. It seems it is prolonged exposure to the bacteria that puts the person at risk. So we now know, and you may remember, I think Princess Diana did this, but we've seen it on TV, um, that you can actually hug a person with leprosy and you can even sit with a person for, you know, have a meal in the same space as a person with leprosy um, and you are putting yourself at little to no risk nowadays. In Jesus' day, though, a person who suffered from leprosy was cast aside from their community. They would have to leave their family home. They'd have to leave their children. They'd have to leave their spouse and their friends and their, their extended family. And they'd have to separate themselves completely. And that was religious law. But it was there to protect the loved ones. Remember that. So you don't kind of feel cast out in the same way. You kind of like, I must protect them and must leave. That's, that's the kind of way it was. So they were not allowed within a certain far distance of healthy people. And a healthy person was forbidden to touch a leper. So lepers formed their own communities separate from the rest of society, but now they had a much smaller pool of people to choose from. So it was quite common that they might have, they might cross cultural barriers and join together with people that they wouldn't naturally have been friends with um, in any other circumstance. Now these days there are treatments, as I said, for the disease, especially if it's caught early, but... Still, in poverty-stricken countries, you will find leper colonies where folk have gathered together suffering a horrendous experience of the disease without having had treatment. And apparently, these colonies are described to have a bad stench from the smell of rotting flesh. Apparently, you can smell it from outside the colony. I know of a Christian person who um, wanted to go in a minister and couldn't bring themselves to get past the stench to get in. And don't judge them, <laughs> don't name them, don't judge them because they were afraid of, of how that would come across if they couldn't stop throwing up, it was that bad. Um, and, um, and people are horribly disfigured uh, because parts of their body, including their nose, are literally falling away or being eaten away by the bacteria. So, I've told you all that about leprosy. Jolly, isn't it, coming to church? Um, so that you have more context to today's story about a group of lepers who were standing at a distance calling out to Jesus. The lepers were literally falling apart, but in one encounter with Jesus, everything changed. And I believe really strongly that because we don't live amongst lepers generally. If someone has Hansen's disease in this country, I'm sure they get very quick treatment. But here's the thing. We often feel like we're falling apart. And I really want to put it out there right at the beginning, because when you're falling apart, call out to Jesus. Just in case you have to leave early, that's the main point. All right, good. Okay, let's go back into the scripture then. Verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Now, stop there. The location of this story is between Samaria and Galilee. The village is at an intersection between two groups, two groups that don't hang out together, 
who both follow Almighty God. They just do it slightly differently. They have their own ways. It's a bit like, you know, maybe the Catholics and the Protestants, you know, okay? <laughs> they've got their own way of doing it. They're slightly different, okay? So they don't really hang out and they don't mix. But these, um, but these group of 10 lepers are likely to have been an unusual mix of both because they're here in this village between Samaria and Galilee. And because later on, God shows more within the scripture of the fact that there was definitely a Samaritan because he's the one that came back to thank. And there's likely to have been Jews because of the way Jesus spoke about them. So Jews and Samaritans are the mix of who these lepers are. And they are there united in their trouble and in their hope for healing. So the 10 lepers who stood at a distance, verse 13, lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now notice the lepers lifted up their voice. They didn't moan and groan or tut and mutter about their troubles. None of that. They presented a clear request before the Lord. And that's a great learning point for some people listening today. It's my first learning point. How you speak about things is important. I'm sorry, I'm a groaner, I'm a moaner. I am a moaner, I'm really sorry. I was doing it this morning. I, I knew I was preaching, I was still moaning about something. It wasn't my stomachache, you notice. Um, it was completely, it was just something, I don't know. That's what it sounds like, basically, yeah? It needs to change. We've got to change it, guys. How we speak is actually really important. And if we need help from God, if the thing we're moaning about, we need to present before God, then we need to call out to him. It's that simple. No whining, moaning, tutter, muttering is going to do anything. But calling out to God, you will see a change. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. It's how we started the service. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We request, but we also thank. And if we, if we haven't got an answer to thank for in the area of the request, we thank for something else. Because it's very powerful to give thanks to God, and you'll see that later. So, did you notice that the lepers called Jesus their master? They said, where is it? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. His response to them was to just give them an order. He didn't say anything else. He didn't go, poor you. <laughs> this is what he said, Luke 17, verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Priests. We'll get back to that. <laughs> this was a bit of a rubber hits the road moment for them. Because if Jesus really was their master, they'd have to obey his order. If he really is your master, you obey him no matter what. But I wonder for a moment, why would Jesus give them this particular order? You see, in the Old Testament, 
There's a story the lepers most likely were familiar with. There's a story about a military man called Naaman who contracts leprosy, and he goes to visit God's prophet, Elisha, for healing. He, too, had to obey a really strange command. Elisha ordered Naaman to wash seven times in the River Jordan. And after a bit of a grumble, he did have a little grumble, Naaman obeyed. 2 Kings 5, verse 14, this is what happened. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, that's Elisha. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Perhaps, compared to Jesus' order, Elisha's command makes a bit more sense to our human thinking, because we like to reason everything, don't we? Maybe there's something in the Jordan River that counteracts the infection. What do you think? I mean, that's not true. I'll tell you why. Because if that was the answer, there'd be nobody suffering from leprosy in the vicinity of the River Jordan. They'd all be washing daily to make sure they didn't have the infection. So I think we can uh, push that away. But I'm saying that's how we explain things. And I point it out because we do it all the time. So I point out what we do when we take God out of the equation or where we want to make it reasonable and give it a good reason for happening. Naaman received his healing from God, not from the river, when he simply obeyed and did something that sounded ridiculous to him. Because God's ways, God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9 says, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I think sometimes God pushes us out of our comfort zones. He pushes us out of the normality things that we like to lean on. But I also know that God rewards an obedient heart. Way back in Luke 6, which must be weeks and weeks ago now, the way we're going through Luke, um, (laughs) Jesus explained the problem with not trusting God's ways and not obeying him. This is what he said. This is what Jesus said in Luke 6, 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation of the rock. Oh, he put some work in. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them, does not do the words that Jesus speaks to them, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. You know, obeying God's word in your life is an act of faith, and it is evidence of who you consider God to truly be to you. If he really is your Lord and Master, you do as he says. But let's go back to the question. Why did Jesus not send the lepers to dip in the river? I mean, it was right there. It's not far. Why did he do it differently? The answer is so many reasons. (laughs) 
<laughs> including the fact, and you can think of your own if you like, but here's my thoughts. God is creative. He doesn't do everything the same way every day. Hallelujah. That makes life far more interesting. God treats us all differently and individually. God picks the best way to minister to each of us, even as a group, that's still an each of us moment, accomplishing both an individual miracle and a teaching opportunity for others to learn from in every moment that he touches us. There's always a a touch from God and a restoration that brings teaching and enlightenment to others. Isn't that awesome? Isn't God clever? Doesn't God know us so well? You know, there's no magic in the river, but there are miracles released in our obedience. And when Jesus commanded the lepers to go show themselves to the priests, he was working within the system the religious legal system of the day gave priests the dual duty of healthcare officials. So they were priests to God, but they were also basically your healthcare officials. Priests were the only people who could declare a person healed and well. They had to confirm a miracle for people to be able to return to their homes and communities. You can't just go home and go, look, I look clean, I look fine. You have to go via the priest. And of course, Jesus sent them to see the priests plural, because it was likely, as I said before, that the group of lepers were a mix of Samaritans and Jews, so they each had to return to their own community priest for individual clean bill of health. And I point that out because I've read this story for years, and it's never even occurred to me. So what that means is that these 10 people, some of whom were Samaritans and some of whom were Jews, would have had to separate before they even received a healing touch. They had to go in different directions some to Samaria, some to Galilee, presumably, some, some to a priest in the town. But the point is, they had to, they didn't go together. They didn't go in a crowd. They may have gone in twos or threes, maybe, but it wasn't 10 of them wandering off to one single priest. And that really occurred to me, and I think it's worth mentioning because it's something really interesting. But also, it shows that actually you don't get to do everything the way you want to do it. It's much easier and safer in numbers, isn't it? Ten of us going together, oh, don't we look idiotic if we still turn bits are falling off us when we get there. Um, but actually, no, they had to go. They had to go to their priest. And what I love about that as well is that Jesus worked within the system, I have met over my life so many rebellious Christians. I'm going to tell you straight, rebellion is never godly. It's not a godly thing. Jesus paid taxes and he worked miracles within the system around him. And however you spin it, and you can talk about turning over of tables and other things, but however you spin it, Jesus worked within the system. He didn't come to slap them all in the face and say, no, God's way is not your ways. He actually was, he did it within what they had built up as their system. And I think that's really important because we live under, you know, we have to obey sometimes things that we don't necessarily agree with. And I think we need to be very careful we don't come rebellious within it, okay? I don't want to go too far into that. I've already gone further than I meant to. Uh, The point is, I don't believe rebellion is a Christian is a Christian thing to do. More than that, in commanding the lepers to go show themselves to their priests, he was challenging those lepers to move in faith. And was it 
when was it? It was a couple of weeks ago. You were talking about faith, wasn't it? Yes. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we heard a, a um, must have been the week before last, <laughs> a sermon all on faith anyway from Dave. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, there was, as, no, as yet, there was no evidence. There's no physical reason to go approach a priest. You shouldn't be going anywhere near a priest. You shouldn't be going near anybody healthy. <laughs> but the lepers proved that Jesus was indeed their master because they obeyed him. Luke 17, verse 14. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, with their noses still drooping and their toe-depleted feet, they went, as he told them to. They headed out to go see their priests, and then they were healed. We don't even know how far they had to walk first before they were healed. How far, how close did they get to the priests? before they experienced their healing. Were they walking, maybe, you know, they're like, oh, no, I'm getting more into community here. There are more people around me. I'm not supposed to be. I'm still drooping and dropping and falling apart. You don't know. We don't know. They kept walking. They walked. They went, despite not seeing a single thing different in their body before they set off. So please notice the lepers moved into their miracle. They didn't stand still and wait for the evidence. They started moving. They started obeying before anything was different. Now, many of us wait for evidence before behaving as though we have received a miracle. Yet time and time again, we see Jesus ask people in all sorts of miracles to move before they felt or before they saw anything different. Let me just give you a quick run round of some of them. The feeding of the 5,000, more than 5,000, the disciples had to start handing out the food to the people before they got to see that there was an abundancy there and the abundant miracle would happen. Mark 6, verse 41 to 43, this is what it says. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he, Jesus, looked up to heaven and said, a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish, five loaves, two fish, among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish he gave them to the disciples to set before the people before they saw anything he just broke it and went there you go Peter John off you go (laughs) and they're going with (laughs) I suspect (laughs) has anyone got anyone oh there's more okay Then what about the paralytic man lowered through the roof in front of Jesus? Mark 2, verse 10 to 12. He, Jesus, said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. I think that's a moment where basically he had a choice. I mean, I don't know. Not all people who can't walk are in terrible pain. So maybe he couldn't feel or know that anything was going to happen until he literally pushed himself up tried to get up and as he did and he's not only told to get up get up and walk no 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 roll that bed up come on clean up after yourself and go (laughs) and I mean you know I don't know about you but I'm fairly 
physically able and you know sometimes you don't feel like picking up the bed as well for goodness sake so there was a lot in that then there's the man with the withered hand Matthew 12 verse 13 I love this one then he Jesus said to the man stretch out your hand he's got a withered hand he says stretch out your hand and the man stretched it out and it was restored healthy like the other I can't stretch out my hand he could have said what are you mad I'm withered <laughs> but he didn't he just stretched out his hand and it was restored as he did so we could all do well to learn from those lepers when they started out nothing had changed it's when they moved that everything changed and perhaps today God is challenging you on that and perhaps even that word about being I wondered if this might be together with that word about crying as well, but not. there might be more people that need to move into this one. It's time to move into your miracle. Stop waiting to feel or see something and start behaving as if it is true. And I don't honestly think this is only referring to a physical ailment because many of you sat here with your sore knee going, right, I'm going to walk a mountain or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ended up looking at you as I said it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, I don't think that's what God... God really has laid that on my heart. So somebody receive that, please, this morning. I think it may be referring actually more to a mental or spiritual struggle, an emotional struggle that you have found yourself in at the moment. God says, stop waiting to feel or see something different but start behaving as if it is true. Move into your miracle. You know, physical um, senses and feelings are not particularly useful in the area of spiritual matters. And miracles are literally something that defies the law of nature and science. That's the whole point of a miracle. We're so used to relying on our senses that it actually takes a bit of effort to practice something new, and it is practice. It's do it, give it a go, try and do it again and again. So to practice faith, you have to let go of your senses and let God be the only place that you place your trust. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the conviction, that the real belief that, that actually the thing I can't see is still true. <coughs> makes us feel a little bit mad okay I'm gonna be honest you've got the you've got the world telling you that's not gonna work and yet you've got the scripture telling you this is how it works so which are you gonna believe because actually you can believe either you've got to choose anyway verse 6 it says without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him the 10 lepers believed. They each put their faith and their feet where their mouth is. They called out and then obeyed the command before a single sign of healing was in their bodies. They moved and walked right into their miracle. Then on receiving his miracle, one of the lepers returned to thank Jesus. Luke 17, verse 15 to 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. <laughs> I love how this gets added in. Yep, he was one of them. He's not one of us. 
That is basically what that scripture is telling you, okay? <laughs> and Jesus actually reacts in a very similar way, but we'll get there in a minute. And the point is, he didn't just rush up to Jesus and go, thanks, mate, and shake his hand. The Samaritan fell down at Jesus' feet. That's an act of worship. And even in Samaria, the rule was that worship is only for God, almighty God. This man was acknowledging and praising Jesus as God. Ten people were healed, but only one returned to give thanks. Now, to be fair to the others, and I do want to be fair to the others, they were just continuing with what they had actually been told to do. No one had told them to give thanks, yet Jesus' response to that thankful Samaritan shows that he expected more of the people from the healed group to have turned back to give thanks. Then Jesus, verse 17, then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? <laughs> Even Jesus is like, well, where are the Jews? <laughs> Samaritan came back, where are the Jews? Jesus had only told them to go see the priest. He hadn't told them to do anything else. They were all being obedient. He didn't ask for thanks. But actually, he still expected them to offer it. He hoped they would. And if I'm honest, he sounds a little disappointed that they didn't. What might Jesus be hoping from you that you haven't expressly been told to do? I had it written as us and we, but I want to make it personal to you. What might Jesus be hoping that you do that he hasn't told you to do? The choices we make freely, that's without a command, bring extra blessing. As we draw this time to the close, let's hear how. The Samaritan did above and beyond what was required. He literally went the extra mile to give thanks and glory to God, and it was multiplied back to him. Luke 17, verse 19, And he said to him, Rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. In that attitude of gratitude, the man received more than his physical healing. In his choice to return, praising Jesus, he was declared well. And if you don't know enough, you will think he's just confirming the physical healing. But that is not what's happening. Let's take a peek at the Greek. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. He's not just confirming the Samaritan's physical healing and well-being. The Greek word is sozo. It's the word that has been translated here as made you well, sozo. Your faith has sozoed you. <laughs> sozo is the word used for when people escape dangerous situations. So, for example, in other places in the Bible, in Jesus' birth account in the book of Matthew, the angel tells Joseph to name him Jesus because he would save sozo people from their sins. And in Romans 10, verse 9 to 10, the word translated as saved is the Greek word sozo. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be sozoed. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Sozo. Sozo means saved from danger. Christians are saved 
from our sins which condemn us to eternal torment. And I preached on this a few weeks ago and I used to never say it and now I'm going to say it all the time because what are we saved from if we don't realise we're saved from something? What's the point in being saved? I don't need a saviour unless I'm being saved from something. Okay, so Jesus was telling the healed man that his faith in returning had saved him. He had done been sozoed. His future was secure and the man worshipped Jesus and was eternally saved. Just as his body had been cleansed of leprosy, so his soul and spirit was cleansed of sin, which like leprosy is contagious and destructive. Romans 10 is clear that the same offer to be made well, sozoed, is available to all of us. If you want to be cleansed of your own sin and have a secure future, all you need to do is what it said in Romans 10 that I just read out. Confess with your mouth, which means admit it and say it aloud, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So So if you want to be saved, made well in your soul today, there's an opportunity for you because I can't preach a message like this without giving you the opportunity. So please just say this prayer and it's really not just a prayer, it's a declaration aloud with me now. It's on the screen. Let's say it aloud if you want to get in on this with me. Today, I confess that Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. I declare that Jesus' is death and resurrection has made me well. I invite you, Jesus, to fill me with your spirit. Empower me from the inside out to live for you. I am saved, I'm forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. If you've done been so old, if you've been saved from eternal torment, then you always have something to be thankful to God for. His mercy, they called out for his mercy. His mercy gives you privileges you could never earn for yourself, doesn't matter how good you are. You do not stand at a distance from God any longer. If you prayed that for the first time this morning, aloud for yourself this morning and made it personal for yourself, do you know what? You are suddenly cleaned up. You're a new creation. You are restored to draw close to God at any time you want. You don't need to go through a priest. You go straight to God. That's how clean you are. That's how fixed you are. So please, don't make the mistake of the nine other healed people in today's story. Be like the one that remembers to always give thanks. Let's pray in closing. Father God, I want to thank you that no matter how much we feel like we are falling apart, you see us and you restore us. Thank you that we can just cry out for your mercy at any moment and you hear us. And you tell us what to do, Lord God. I pray that each and every one of us will hear your voice and know how to behave, Lord God, so that we see the outworking of all those bits that are falling apart coming back together in restoration in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have each of us on your mind and heart. Thank you, Jesus, that it is not our physical feelings that lead us but it's your word. 
that guides us through life. I pray that you will open your word to each and every one of us, Lord God, that we would know better how to follow you. And I pray that each and every person under the sound of my voice is so sowed. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Amen.